Well, I'm excited to share the word with you today, and it's 1142, and I have more pages than I usually do, so yes, but that's okay, because I can talk fast, as long as you guys can listen fast, okay? So today I want to talk about two foundations, two foundations, and this is kind of a different way that I usually preach. There's basically three types of preaching messages, and you learn this in Bible school. One is called the expository, right, David? <laughs> expository. One is called the textual, textual, textual. I don't know how to say that. And one is called the topical. Topical is when you take a topic and you build a message around it with scripture, and you really just get a point across, with share the, share the revelation you have on it, and then you l- preach a topic, right? Um, textual is when you start with a particular text in the Bible and you build a message around that. It, you kind of use it as a springboard and um, you bring a point to your audience. Expository is when you expose the word. Isn't that good? It's exposing the word of God and it presents the meaning and intent of a text, providing commentary and examples to make the passage clear and understandable. So what I like about expository, and even though I don't do that very much, I feel like it takes something really simple and it breaks it down in order to kind of like dig a place in our heart and push it in there, right? So that it's there and we really fully understand and we get it and we can take it home with us and we can live it out. And so today it's gonna be more of an expository message. We're gonna expose this scripture and it's a red scripture. Know what that means? It's a red letter scripture. It's a scripture Jesus actually said. We're gonna expose this scripture and we're going to learn what he was saying so that we can take it home with us. The scripture is Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And you might want to write that passage down just so you can look it up on your phone or in your Bible this week and just meditate on it. Read it a few times, write it out if you want to, but just let it sink into your heart because Holy Spirit has a message specifically for you about this scripture. Isn't the Bible amazing like that? The Bible's living, it's breathing, it's alive. And so this scripture will say something to me, but it will say something to you as well based on your circumstance and what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. So it's really powerful. And it's also found similarly in Luke 6, 46 through 49. How many know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the same story told by Four different people, right? So we can have a different picture from all of the different authors. So in Matthew 7, 24 through 7, we'll read it. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Continuing on, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell. And its collapse was great. 
So what's happening here when Jesus is speaking this to the crowds? This is important to understand so that we know exactly who he was talking to and how it can apply to us. So Jesus was teaching to a big crowd, and these were people who were hungry for more than what they were getting. Why do I know that? Because they left the city and they followed him. They took a whole day and they went out onto a mountainside and they sat and they listened, right? So I knew, I, you can tell and we can know that they wanted more because they had, they were already a part of religious community. It was called Judaism. They had religion, but they earned for something more, for something deeper. They had the law. They had God's instruction, but they knew there was something missing. They had religious teachers. Those religious teachers modeled superiority and self-importance. But Jesus was different, and they knew it. This man, Jesus, was different. He was willing to sit down and teach them what God truly wanted from his people. This was the closing section of his Sermon on the Mount. You know that Sermon on the Mount? It's three chapters long. And man, is it a difficult sermon, right? It is a hard one to listen to. It's a hard one to apply to your life. You're like, really, Jesus? For real? Remember, it starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. What? Poor? You want me to be poor? I thought you wanted me to be wealthy, right? You want me to be poor in spirit? You want me to be depressed and walking around hanging my head? No, right? That's not what you want, Jesus, right? It's hard. It was a hard message. Leads into the Lord's Prayer. He taught them how to pray. And then into loving my enemies. What? My present enemies, like the ones that keep, being, that are keep attacking me, that are keep betraying me, the ones that haven't stopped yet, those, I have to love those people? Yes. Jesus was giving them a new kind of message. And this was the closing of the sermon. You know how preachers say, okay, in closing, right? This was Jesus' closing message. And he gave him them a word picture. He gave them a word picture. And it was the word picture of the two foundations and a storm. And he used this word picture to accentuate the importance of hearing the message that he just preached, starting with the Beatitudes, right? and doing. He said, you can hear this message all you want, but the goal is to do it. He spoke that and he told them in order to build a life or build a house, right? Because the house represents our life. It represents our job, our career, our families, our children, our goals, our purpose, our dreams. It's our house. And Jesus says, in order to build this house and make it last through life's storms, you have to hear and do these words that I'm telling you. So let's dive in. Are you ready? So first we're going to look at the two builders because it's two foundations, but it's two separate builders, right? There was two builders he spoke of, the wise and the foolish, So the wise builder, when you think about wisdom or being wise, what do you think about? You think about being informed, right? You think about being knowledgeable. You think about being marked with a deep understanding. Man, if I could pick anything, I would want to have wisdom, right? You want to have wisdom. You want to know what the best thing to do is. Keen discernment. 
Wise people have keen discernment. They can see past the surface of a situation. They can see past the motives and, and the outward appearance of people, right? Right into their motives, into, into their deeper feelings. The wise person is sapient. They're judicious. They're prudent. They're sensible. They're sane. <laughs> when everything's going, everybody's going crazy, right? All the opinions out on social media. They have some sanity. They have some reason. They, get, they can look past the emotions of other people. They have sound judgment. They have great understanding of people and of situations and unusual discernment and judgment in dealing with people. Man, we need some more wise people, don't we? <laughs> they, it suggests great learning and wide experience. You know, I know that there's a lot of people with a lot of PH numbers on the back of their names, right? But what, what really gives wisdom to a person? It's experience. It's learning and understanding, learning and experience, how to walk through the storms of life, right? How to stay holy when the world is not. <laughs> a capacity for reaching wise decisions or just conclusions. I love this one. The exercise of restraint. How hard is that? When you have every right to bite back. When you have every right to stand your ground and demand justice, you practice restraint for wisdom's sake. Wow. I want to be wise like that, right? Their action is guided and restrained by good sense and rationality. The wise display mental soundness, rationality, and level-headedness. These people usually, you can't, you can't shake them. You can't move them. You can't manipulate them. These are characteristics of someone who is wise. All right, who's signing up for the wisdom, right? <laughs> I want some wisdom. I want to be the wise builder. So if you look at the story, the wise builder, we can, we can kind of suggest, right, that the wise builder chose ahead of time a location for his new house. This more than likely started when he made the decision to build. Now, I'm a realtor. I know how this goes. Right? If somebody wants to build, you can't even go see a builder until you've figured out where you want to build. <laughs> right? you, can't, you can't really go and plan to build a house until you know the location of what you're building. And this is important. Have you ever heard location, location, location? It is important where you build your house, who your neighbors are, what the neighborhood's like, right? what the taxes are going to be. What the atmosphere is of the city council, I don't know. We all have different opinions and desires for location. You know, that reminded me, I wrote this out, and there was a few years back where we had made a shift, and we moved out of Avon Lake, and Adrian was going to go back to school, and I convinced him to move into Crocker Park. <laughs> Can you believe it? I convinced him to get a storage unit and put all his lots of stuff in this storage unit and move up above, I don't know what it is right now, I don't know, altered state or something, that whole row. And we lived in Crocker Park for a whole year. And I loved it. 
I could go downstairs and buy a birthday present or some new jeans, right? I could go downstairs and get groceries at Trader Joe's or get coffee. We, we listen to Christmas carols outside of, the, outside of the window. But let me tell you, Adrian hated every second of it. <laughs> His old truck wasn't as big as this truck, but it did not fit in the parking garage very easily. And people would get so mad because this big truck was parked there. They actually stuffed things in his gas tank. It was horrible. He hated it. Every time he drove in that parking garage, he hated it. And then getting our stuff up the stairs all the way down the long hallway, like it's Crocker Park Boulevard, all the way up the hallway, right, to get this couch into this little tiny apartment, he hated it. So location to you might not be the same as location to me. <laughs> we didn't renew our lease. <laughs> the builder knew a thing or two about location. It matters. He knew that if he wanted a secure, solid house, he needed a firm foundation. He thought ahead of time and sought out a location that would provide him a firm location or firm foundation. In Luke 14, 28 through 30, it says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who are watching will begin to ridicule him, saying, this person began to build and was not able to finish. They chose the wrong location. Their foundation doesn't work there. I want to show you that picture of that blueprint again, because this blueprint is not a blueprint of a whole house. It's a blueprint of a foundation. Do you have a plan for your foundation? Do you have an idea of how you are building your foundation, what it will take to build this life that you want. It takes forethought. It takes consideration of what you want your house, your life, your future to look like. In other words, he didn't just let life happen to him. How many of us get into that, right? We're like, oh, I guess next year is just going to happen. No, I'm planning out my next year. Right? I'm going to allow God's purpose to be built into my foundation of 2023. Amen? We create a plan. We create a blueprint with the Holy Spirit, with wisdom, in what we want our foundation to look like. Young people, if you're in here, and old people, but young people, it's so important that you have a plan. You choose your location ahead of time. I want a wife, a husband, two kids, fulfilling career, happy life. Do you? Where's your, where's your blueprint? Right? Where's your blueprint? What are you doing now to create that foundation in your life? What kind of spouse are you looking for? What does your saving account look like? What kind of disciplines are you practicing? What are you investing in your spiritual life right now, today? to have the foundation and the life that you want later. The wise builder plans the life that they want, and then they carefully follow the blueprint. In Proverbs, what does it say about wisdom? In Proverbs chapter 4, 
You all know this scripture verse. It says in verse five and seven, it says, whatever it takes to gain wisdom, do it. Whatever it takes. If it takes turning off your phone, if it takes spending time in the word, if it takes cutting off friends, it doesn't matter. Do it. Get wisdom. To gain understanding, do it. Never forget this. Never stray from what I'm telling you. If you don't forsake Lady Wisdom, she will protect you. That's a direct, that's a direct um, quote about seeking the Holy Spirit. Seek Lady Wisdom. Make room for Holy Spirit in your day. Don't plan anything without him, right? Love her and she will faithfully take care of you. Gaining sound judgment is key. So first things first, go after Lady Wisdom. So you are here at church. So I believe that you are seeking after wisdom. You want to know what God has for you and what he's telling you. You are committed to hearing the word of the Lord. But remember in that verse, are you committed to acting on it? So we have to, all of us, each of us, am I committed to acting on what I'm hearing? Am I prepared to put that in the blueprint, right, of my future? Even when it's not popular, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's uncomfortable, when the closest people to you are going to mock you, right? When the closest people to you are going to go, what are you doing? Why did you make that decision? Wisdom is practical. It's prudent. It's sensible. And we choose the right location for our life because we want long-lasting security and stability and strength. We think ahead and we choose the spouse that loves the Lord because we know that they will be submitted to Christ and love our children the way the Lord commands them to. We are the wise builder for our life. So on the flip side, there was another builder in the story, and that builder was the fool, right? And when you look at the word fool, it says it's the same root word as moron. Kind of scary, right? This person doesn't think ahead. This person is imprudent. He does not think about the consequences. He's very rash in his decisions. He's like, okay, yeah, that feels good. Yeah, that's right. Okay, come on, let's go. Let's do it, right? It, there's a lack of preparation in the foolish man. So without wisdom or, or erudition, someone who takes a shovel and goes to build a foundation without ever learning how. How many of you guys have had those contractors before at your house? Where you're like, did they, did they even know how to do this? Like, wait a minute, hold on. Let me see your credentials, right? How many in here would hire a builder who has, number one, never built a house before, or number two, never went to school to learn how, never interned with a contractor, doesn't even know the YouTube videos say, right? <laughs> The fool is impious. He doesn't show respect for what it takes to build a foundation. He thinks he can just show up with a shovel and a bag of concrete. Right? Oh, I'm just going to do this. Come on. Okay, let's do this. No, that's not the way that we build a, a life and a family. A fool will go for the location that is the most convenient, the cheapest, or with the best view, regardless of the strength of his foundation. You know those lots that have been on the market for years, literally? 
and they're like $30,000. I went to see one a couple months back with a couple. You know what? It was completely in a flood zone. There was no building a house on that lot, even though it was beautiful, the trees, there was a creek. It was absolutely gorgeous. I said, you can't buy this land. I don't care how cheap it is. You can't build here, right? But the fool will say, no, let's buy it. It's cheap. Let's just do it. Okay. <laughs> when we were doing our lakeshore a couple years ago, the guy that did the lakeshore, he was bringing these huge rocks in, but first he had to clear the land. And when he took his big bulldozer back there and he's moving things around, he found out that there was a bunch of landfill in there. And it was really bad. It was junk. Like there was wood and, and little um, cement rocks everywhere and just junk, like actual garbage <laughs> was underneath the grass. And he was like, I don't know if I can do anything with this. This is really, really bad. And we're thinking, okay, well, uh, uh, do we have to go buy land and just like move it here? But he was finally able to move the stuff around, get rid of the fill, get rid of the garbage that had been tucked under the land and put these huge rocks in to secure the lakeshore. What are we filling our life with? Are we throwing in a little porn here, a little envy here, lying and cheating on taxes, swearing and gossiping here? Oh, it doesn't matter. The fool thinks, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not hurting anyone. No one's even going to know. Oh, yes, your foundation knows. Your foundation knows. It will always knows. We are choosing to build our life on sand foundation that is not secure or stable. In Proverbs 10, 23, it says, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. But wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. We have to take a look at what we're filling our life with and choose to get rid of that stuff, get rid of the foolish things and put wisdom in its place. A fool thinks that he doesn't need help. He doesn't trust in the experts. He is the epitome of nailed it. Do you know what nailed it is? Now, historically, nailed it used to be like, I went to attempt something and I did it perfectly. But since the invention of Pinterest, right, it's kind of become this ironic thing. Nailed it, like you try to make Cookie Monster cupcakes and then they end up like that. And it's kind of a joke. It's like, nailed it. And I've had my own nailed it in the life of cooking and baking. And it's funny. But a fool goes forward building his house, and he nails it. And we don't want to be like that. We don't want to have that kind of um, certain, uncertain future in our life, just running into a situation without having the instruction we need. We need to learn how to build our life. And we, the American church, right, we've told you that, oh, just come to church a couple times a month. You know, get, grab your Bible out for five minutes a day and, you know, just sing some worship songs. You're good. No, you're not. You don't know how to build a house, right? We have this thing called discipleship. A disciple is one that is a pupil and adheres to the doctrines of another. Most Christians today don't make themselves a learner. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not usually mean, but I got to tell the truth, right? We don't make ourselves learners. We don't even know what a doctrine is, much less live by them or teach our children, right? 
We don't build our life on them. And it's becoming more and more important to know them and to live them out. There's too many of us that are DIYers out there attempting to build without acknowledging the fact that we need help. We need one another. We need discipleship. We need to understand this word, not just read it. We need to understand it so that we can apply it, right? And how it works with our life today. That's called discipleship. Paul was discipling Timothy. And he was telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. We learn it and then we apply it into our life. That's what a disciple is. The fool thinks he knows it all, right? But the wise man knows he needs God's help. The fool doesn't plan ahead, but the wise man follows God's blueprint. Amen? So let's go to the two foundations. There's two foundations, and the wise man knows that he needs God's help, remember? So in, the, in actually in Nazareth, archaeologists in Israel, you can put that picture up, they've found a foundation of a house. And it's very rare because most of these foundations were broken up and they're gone. But they found a foundation of a house that was actually in Nazareth. And you can see that this foundation is made up of stone and rock. And it's very, very strong and secure. It allowed it to stand the test of time. And this is what the houses looked like. You can put the other. It was kind of like a corridor in a courtyard in the middle in, in, in the middle of it, and then they had like one or two rooms and then an upper room. And so these foundations were really important to keep the house together. The walls consisted of stone foundations with mud bricks placed on the stone layers or in courses. So now we have a picture of what Jesus was describing. So building on rock with stone was the most secure way to build. And we all know that. We go down in the basement, what do we see? Block, right? Stone. And that's one thing that we look at if we're going to buy a house. Like, I got to check out that foundation. And if we see a foundation problem, what do we do? Red flag, right? We got to make sure that this foundation is secure. But the thing about rock is it's hard, it's hard. It's expensive, right? Those big rocks that we, that's a lot. I think it was like $1,000 per linear foot. That's a lot of money. Rock is expensive. Rock takes time. He was out there for what, Adrian, about six months with his bulldozers longer, just moving rocks, moving rocks. It takes time, right, to build a foundation on a rock. And he has to go deep. Like I told you before, he had to dig all the crap out. He had to dig all the garbage out before he could put the rocks down in place. So building into rock is not easy. And you must go deeper than the surface. You have to get down past the soil to the bedrock in order to secure the foundation. And you have to search for it. Jesus warned us about this. In another scripture verse in Matthew 7, the same chapter, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. 
but there will be a few people who build on rock. That's what he said. He said, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. See, the rock represents the narrow, hard way, but it's the way to life and life more abundantly. Amen? Building on the rock is where we find our life. The rock is expensive. Like I told you, we spent a lot of money on rock. (laughs) We're still paying for it, actually. But the wise know it's worth it, right? It's worth it. It's worth it to take the time and buy the rock. It's worth it to take the time and show value in what it takes to keep the rock in your life. In Matthew 13, 44, It says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and he sells everything he has. Because what he found in that field is worth more than anything else in life. Right? That's what it's like when we find that rock and we put our foundation on the rock. Nothing else matters. We give up everything to build our house on that rock. It will cost us our own way, our will. Our ideas, see, when God gives us purpose, when he gives us a dream, when he gives us a vision, we like to package it in what we want. (laughs) We like to say, okay, God, that's a good idea. Let me tell you how you're going to do it. No. (laughs) We have to buy everything. We have to sell everything, sell every idea that we have, sell every every notion that we have of what our life is going to look like, and we build it. We pay for everything. We build it on his rock, his way. The rock is always more secure, more stable, and stronger. And guess what? It lasts for eternity, doesn't it? It lasts for eternity. So we pay any price because Jesus paid every price, didn't he? In 1 Peter 1.18, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed or ransomed or bought or paid for by gold and silver, but you were paid for, says in the word, with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So if he paid the ultimate price for our foundation, how much is it worth to us, right? It's worth everything. Jesus is our rock. There's an Old Testament prophecy spoken by Isaiah, and it's quoted in the New Testament at least five times. In different books in the, in the New Testament, it's quoted, and it's all a reference to Jesus being our cornerstone. I don't know if there's any builders in here, foundation people here in here, or construction, or just some of you guys might even know. Like, when you build a foundation, you start with a cornerstone. And Jesus is that cornerstone. He secures the whole thing. And in 1 Peter, this is the verse that started in Isaiah, It says, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus is the rock that we build our life on, who brings us security, strength, chosen and precious. He's the one we love. He's our location, guys. He's the best location. He's the one that we build our foundation on. So let's, let's move on to, to contrast the other kind of foundation, and that is the sand. And that's obviously the fool picked the sand. Sand is easy. 
Sand is cheap. You can pick up a bag at Lowe's, right? It's quick. It's surface level. So go ahead and show the picture of that house. This is frightening. Isn't that crazy? That's a real house on the East Coast after a storm. Can you imagine? Building a house on sand is not a good idea. I think they actually ended up moving it, hopefully. (laughs) How do you ensure that? Oh, I know. (laughs) This quote was good. It says, a fool knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. Think about that. A fool knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. The sand is a cheaper version. It's quick. It's easy. It only touches the surface, and it doesn't go deep enough to secure and bring strength. So when the storm comes, it fails to withstand. The house fails to withstand the pressure and loses its foundation. You know, I think about that hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And this verse in that hymn, it says, His oath, his covenant, and blood Support me in the whelming flood. When every earthly prop gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Everything else that we build our life in, on, it sinks. It's not stable. It's not secure. So merely hearing the words of Jesus, it's good It's good. That house, it had a pretty view, didn't it? It was right on the ocean, like million-dollar view. But look what happens if we're just hearing the word, if our foundation is only tied to information, and it's not tied to our execution, it won't last. James 1.22 says, But prove yourself doers of the word and not hearers only who deceive themselves. That's scary. How do you know if you're deceived? Right? I was reading in a a different book, and he was explaining um, this this fighter pilot. And I don't know when it happened, and it was an example that he used. But this fighter pilot, she was a woman, and she's flying this jet. And she was going to pull up and take it straight up in the air. But... What she didn't realize is that she was flying upside down. And so when she pulled it up, she slammed right into the ground and she died instantly. How do you know if you're deceiving, if you're deceived? How do we know if we're flying a certain way in life, but we don't know we're upside down? Like we have to not just hear these words. We have to apply them so that this word of God will turn us right side up, right? Right? And we know which way we're going so that when we make a move, which a lot of us are in situations where we have to make a move. That's probably the majority of our prayers today. These big decisions, whether it's family or work or a place to live or or any, we're all in this place where we have to know that we're right side up. We have to know that we are making the right decisions. You guys all know of the Leaning Tower of Pisa right? I've not been there yet, but it is a goal of mine to go see the Leaning Tower of Pisa. But I guess it's not really that big, and it's not really useful for that much. It's just a tourist attraction. Why? Because it's leaning. 
They can't really do much with it. And we don't want our lives to be like this. Uh, what happened here? Oh, I guess we'll just take a picture because it's cool, right? I don't want to be a tourist attraction. I don't want people looking at my life and going, huh, 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 right? Like, I don't want to do that. I want to have purpose. I want to have function. I want God's will to be acted out in my life and my children's life. I want to be effectual and safe, bringing life to those around us. And finally, in closing, <laughs> we're going to look at the storm. Because that's something that we all deal with. Whether you're wise, whether you're foolish, whether you're built on rocks, whether you're built on sand, guess what? The storm is coming. It just is. Adrian and I were talking last night, and we're like, life is going to get harder. I know it is. People get older, right? Life's going to get harder. It's going to be great and amazing and joyful, but there are going to, there's future hard times. I want to be ready. I've got to have my home, my house, my life built on a foundation that when those winds come, when that sadness comes, when those waves come, when that stress, when that pressure comes, I'm not moved. Like, I know who he is. It's not even about knowing who I am. What does that matter? I know who he is, right? I'm built on a strong foundation. The storm reveals the strength of your foundation because your foundation is only tested through a storm. Your foundation will only be tested through a storm. You know, you know that hurricane that happened, and it was my parents' house is right in the middle of everything. And God really spared them. Like, I think they had just, like, some pottery fall down or something. It was a miracle. But when you go down there and you drive around, it's heartbreaking, isn't it, <laughs> Cheryl? Heartbreaking. There's garbage everywhere. Houses completely demolished. Founda the ones that don't have foundations are literally gone. Storms are painful. In John 16, 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Because in the world, Jesus said this, you will have tribulation. We're not promising you that everything's going to be great. We can't. Jesus doesn't promise us that we're not going to have a storm. But he says, but take courage because I have overcome the world and I give you this foundation, when you build your life on it, you are so safe. You are so secure. The winds can't move you. The rain, the flood, it can't move you because Jesus has done this for us. So in Matthew 7, the expository message, <laughs> you get a picture, a word picture of two foundations, two builders, and a storm. Both foundations and both builders went through the same storm, but they had completely different outcomes. So if I was smarter at math, I would have put a little, um, see, I don't even know what they're called, equation together. I'm so bad at math. An equation together, right? Wise plus rock. I don't know. What would be the next one? With the storm, parentheses, I don't know. Adrian, help me. Divided by storm equals security. 
Foolish plus sand divided, whatever. Let's just pretend. Storm equals destruction, right? What do we want our equation to read in our life? We want the wise. We want the Holy Spirit. We want wisdom. Guess what? He's a gift to us. We don't even have to earn him. We just make room for him. Layla, I loved that. Just like make room. He's in the room. That's what we do. We make room for him in our life. He's a gift to us. He is wisdom. Wise, rock, right? Storm, because we can't get rid of the storm. But we have security and safety when we are the wise builder and we build on the rock. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that it is life. And as we hear it and apply it to our life, God, we will not be shaken. Whether the coming storms are national, international, personal, in our family, in our job, it doesn't matter. You said we will not be moved if we build our house on the rock of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the faithful king, the one who paid everything. So I pray today, God, that those in here that are willing to hear and apply the word to their life, God, that they would find security in who you are and your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand up with me? We're going to close out the, me- the message today with just a worship song. And during that time, I want to make the altars open one more time. And there's going to be altar ministers that are coming. If you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, if you want to make a decision today and say, I'm going to uproot my house <laughs> and move it to a firm foundation and have it planted and rooted in Jesus, the altars are open today. And if you need prayer for your body or healing or family situations, we want to make sure that you are um, prayed for as well before you leave. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Um, we love you all. and We'll see you next week.